1: Too often, we rely solely or primarily on conventional medicine to treat symptoms and disease, but these can mask the problems, so we never get to the root cause of the disease. There are better choices. Welcome to Generation Regeneration with your host, Sandra Guy-Melhothra. Conventional medicine does play an important role in effective treatment, but even more important are the daily lifestyle, food, and spiritual choices we make. Now, here is Sandra Guy-Melhothra.
0: I'm Sandra Malhotra your host for Generation Regeneration. Thank you for joining me. Today's show is about shamanic healing and our special guest is gifted shamanic healer and medicine woman Renee Reed. Hello Renee and welcome to the show. Hi Sandra. Glad to be here. It's great to have you here. I'd also like to welcome our listeners to this first episode of Generation Regeneration. We're really excited to be here and can't wait to get started. Our goal with the show is to provide information and support for those who want to regenerate their bodies, minds, spirits, and relationships to others and to the planet. It's a big goal, but necessary for all of us to consider because currently our health, our society, and our planet are in a bit of a crisis. We have an epidemic of chronic disease, war, strife, and environmental destruction. It's not all doom and gloom for sure, but we're not on a good trajectory. But fortunately, we can change that. And it's my opinion that the wisdom and perspective of shamanic healers like Renee can help us through this crisis. So I'll get started by giving a brief background and then we'll start talking to the shaman, which will be a lot of fun. So let's dig in. Many so-called primitive societies, which existed from tens of thousands of years ago, like Aboriginal tribes in Australia, South America, Africa, and even American Indians valued their spiritual essence their interconnectedness to all things, and the mystical realm. And the shaman was an integral and important part of their communities. However, modern Western societies took a different path starting about 2000 years ago. The Greek philosophers like Aristotle, the Renaissance after the dark ages, the age of reason in the 1700s, all elevated the rational mind above all else. And what the rational and logical mind requires is evidence to support its hypotheses or theories. This evidence is collected using our limited senses and measurement tools that we construct using these senses, some of which can be very sophisticated. But basically, if a phenomenon or object can't be measured or observed, it doesn't exist to the rational mind. And if it doesn't exist, it is not worthy of respect. And if it isn't worthy of respect, it can be ignored or even worse, destroyed. This viewpoint permeates our way of thinking, really whether we realize it or not, We put so much stock into the rational and logical mind. For example, because energetic interconnectedness can't be measured, divine inspiration can't be measured, and the spirits of our ancestors can't be measured, they don't exist to the rational mind. But what if we're greater than our rational mind? What if we're powerful emotional and spiritual beings that are interconnected with everything around us? And what if all of these so-called unmeasurable things do exist and impact our lives on a deep and profound level? These are all questions a shaman can answer. And fortunately, we have one right here with us. Hello again, Renee. Hi. So let's get started at square one. For our listeners who may not be as familiar with the world of shamanic healing, can you introduce us to what a shaman does and how a shaman works?
2: Well, first of all, let's kind of look at where we discovered shamanism to be as important as it has become now. Originally, it was it's described as being starting about, oh, 40,000 years ago. Mm -hmm. But really, I think probably a lot longer than that. Yes. Okay, and the word shaman comes from the Tungus dialect from Siberia, which means to be excited or moved or raised, as it were, which kind of gives us a clue on what a shaman does and why they even became important. Mm -hmm. They went into an altered state of consciousness in order to gather information that would be of assistance to their tribe and their community. And that information was basically predicated upon survival. Uh, Mm -hmm. We look at a lot of the ancient cultures that have been using the spiritual practice for thousands and thousands of years. The first primary issue would have been how to get fed. Where's the food to be found? How can we get clothed? Where is it safe and warm for the winter? Where do we, you know, where do we live? And so it was the business of the shaman uh, to be able to communicate with the spirit world and to find out this information so they could guide their tribe and their community to find what they needed. Ergo, um, a shaman would go into a trance to find out where uh, the caribou could be found. And by doing that, he would go and he would address what we would call the spirit boss mm-hmm. of that particular uh, animal. And he would ask them to give themselves on behalf of the people mm-hmm. so that they could be clothed and fed. And basically, the information that would come back would how many, be how many head of reindeer or caribou or whatever it was um, that they could take at that time And if they kept within that spiritual balance and honoring of what was being offered, then when they went to ask for more food, it would obviously be given. And they were always interesting. Some of the stories are is that they would always be where the uh, shaman said that they would be found as well. And they would also be guided to certain shelter and and things of that nature, very practical things. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, um, the shaman was also the spiritual diagnostician um, for illnesses and diseases and problems that would come up. Primarily, uh, they would find the spiritual causes of illness. Mm -hmm. Because the ancient people recognized that when your spirit was out of of balance, um, your emotions were out of balance, then this in turn would cause physical problems and issues, which is something we've gotten very, very separated yes. from in our society Indeed. is the recognition that we're actually a spiritual being first right. before we're embodied in a human body. Right, And so they were very much in contact with that and very much aware of it. And I've often thought about why has this come back into play at this time in our lives? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, Joseph Campbell, and I'm going to paraphrase this, I don't remember the exact comment, was, you know, all the old gods are dead, as they say. Where is the new myth coming from? We need a new spiritual relationship with the earth and where we live because we've gotten so separated from it. No wonder our environments have such a physical impact on us and how we become toxic, all of the... You know, really unhealthy things that have happened since then. Mm-hmm. So so here comes this, you know, pull back to shamanic practice, which was originally um, something considered archaic, and yet it's very, very divine by comparison. And um, it was first studied by anthropologists,
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, naturally, because it was a cultural thing. And, of course, anthropologists are big on that because they're probably the only people in our society who would be willing to put, to, you know, put up with, uh, you know, extreme heat, extreme cold, very uncomfortable circumstances to study the tribes that were still around in the last hundred so years that were still practicing the old ways. Mm. And uh, Michael Harner was one who really brought it to the forefront in the last 30 years by going to study with the Havaro Indians in South America. So we really so that that's when the uh, idea of it and the call for it started to come back. But if we go back to how um, a, a true shaman was called, let's just go back to that ancient culture. It's a yes. little different from how we view it now yes. here in the 21st century. Mm. Um, so originally, it started with an illness that would could happen, you know, in a person's younger years maybe even in their teens. And that illness would be the defining factor. I mean, this isn't like um, our family has all gone to Harvard and we're all going to become attorneys and so we're going to just pass this lineage down. That was not how this would occur. Mm -hmm. It was literally a spiritual calling by spirit. And so it would start with an illness. Mm -hmm. And within that illness, during that period of time, certain spirits or divine beings would come and would subsequently heal the individual. Mm. And in that healing, they would also become his assistants, his helpers, so he could turn around and thereby do the same sort of healing for others. Mm. Okay? Interesting. So, and the thing is, is that at that time, when because we had the tribes and the way they were and their infrastructure of spirituality and community – the existing shaman would become obviously aware of this and would bring this person along and train him in how to go about many of these things. Some of these things would, of course, in the healing process that they received by spirit would be revealed. Okay? They would actually be shown to the person in their dream visions or their healing that the spirits did when they were sick. Okay? But then there were other things that they had to learn and somebody would have to take them under their wing. And that would be where their lineage would start, as uh-huh. we would say. Where it came down from, how their teachings came.
0: So, this isn't genetic, familial? No. Really
2: at all? Okay. No, it's not. It is mm-hmm. actually a divine call. Mm. And you don't have a choice in it. It calls you, you don't get to pick it. It's not quite mm-hmm. like we've thought a lot of the New Age practices and skills that we like to go in, take classes, and get our little diploma. And it, 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 this is the defining difference between somebody who can actually be very transformative mm-hmm. and empowering to another individual, yes. and and someone who gets sort of mediocre, you know, some 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 good things, but really isn't able to take them to that level. Yes, and this is truly a gift. It's it's not something that you can practice. I taught it for thirteen years, and out, maybe out of all those years of teaching. Uh, people, what I discovered was really there was only maybe one that had the true call. Mm -hmm. Others could learn the techniques and some of them with varying degrees of success, but never to the level that a shaman was meant to work at. Mm -hmm. And so um, my own personal call started with illness as well. And how old were you? Well, the first time was actually when I was two. Mm -hmm. And the second time was when I was 27. Wow. And then I had another call at 36. Mm -hmm. And these are not calls you can ignore because actually it can cause further illness. Uh It can actually cause emotional imbalance or spiritual imbalance. It's as if you can't ignore something that is this very, very important of a gift. Yes. And you'll find that you're very, very unhappy if you can't use it Mm -hmm. either, which is very, Mm -hmm. very interesting, uh, having had to take a break from it for a period of time. (laughs) And it's just not the same. And you can't be less than you're meant to be. And that's with anyone, isn't it? I mean, it's not just with this. So it's a very, very powerful process. And perhaps, you know, we can talk about how, you know, I started that. I don't want to start it right this minute, do I? Are we running out of time already?
0: We have about a minute and a half before the first break. Okay, well, so, so I, maybe, maybe we fir- start talking about, yeah, the first time when you were very young. Okay, the well, first I was
2: two years old and um, we, uh, I was, we lived in a house where they have the, the low-dropped windows, so mm-hmm. it's like if somebody could crawl in the window, they could, Yeah. but I was sleeping in the same room as my brother. I was two, and he was in a crib, but I was in a regular bed, and in the dream, um, this huge tiger, came, Bengal tiger, came jumping through the window, and what was so profoundly real to me was that when I woke up, I was sitting at the end of the bed looking back at the window mm-hmm. and wondering what that was all about. And eventually it would be because I was sent protection and help because I was going to become very, very ill in a very short period mm. of time.
0: Interesting. Okay. So okay. So on that note, uh, where Renee is telling us about a very powerful spiritual animal that visited her when she was a child, uh, we're going to go ahead and get ready for a short break. And this is Sandra Malhotra with Generation Regeneration. And my guest is Renee Reed, a shamanic healer and medicine woman. And we will be right back in just a few minutes. Thank you very much for tuning in. We look forward to continuing this very informative discussion.
3: Real Life Solutions. Voice America Health and Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
1: A new health and wellness community is coming in January 2015 called HoldTreatment.com. As a practitioner, you can increase your visibility by creating a detailed profile, posting blogs, advertising online and live events, and accepting online appointments. As a client, you can learn about holistic healing modalities, research practitioners to find the best one for you, and conveniently book online appointments, all for free. We aspire to change the way healthcare is practiced, and together we can do it. Visit whole-treatment.com to find out more. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. GMOs, or genetically modified organisms, are plants or animals that have been genetically engineered with DNA from bacteria, viruses, or other plants and animals. These experimental combinations of genes from different species cannot occur in nature or in traditional crossbreeding. Most developed nations do not consider GMOs to be safe. Right now, over 80% of the corn and soy grown in the U.S. is genetically modified and we should be able to choose whether we wish to consume these foods or not. Visit non-gmoproject.org forward slash learn dash more.
3: A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness.
1: This is Generation Regeneration with Sandra Guy-Melhothra, to connect with Sandra, send an email to Sandra Melhothra at wcubedcommunity.com or tweet at Sandra G. Melhothra, hashtag WeRGenR. She looks forward to your comments. Now, back to Generation Regeneration.
0: Welcome back. This is your host, Sandra Melhotra, and my guest today is Renee Reed, a shamanic healer and medicine woman. And when we left off before the break, she was telling us about one of the first instances she had as a young child where she was visited by a spirit animal, and she became aware that she may have a gift. So, Renee, if you would like to keep, keep continuing with that story and tell us more about how you developed as a shaman.
2: Okay. So, anyway, this, this dream was very, very significant and, um, because just after that period of time, I ended up being very ill with pneumonia and almost died. Which is kind of interesting because when you study some of the shamans in the past that have gone through this practice... Some of them come very close to death mm. in the initiation process. I would say, mm. of course, at the age of two, you know, where was I going to go with that? <laughs> um, but we would, you know, we mentioned that it's a, a spirit animal that came in, and that is something that is uh, in the process of using shamanic healing that we do use. We found that the spirit animal or power animals mm. are called is like a furry guardian angel, and. Um, it was many years later that I recognized um, after I'd gone on my path here that uh, that tiger had actually been sent to maintain my vitality so that I might survive the pneumonia because I came very close to death at that time and uh, the second time um, I started to get uh, bronchial pneumonia again and I was a little older and at that time then I had a very powerful dream vision of a beautiful uh, Native American Indian being and he was So profoundly beautiful, standing in white light, and and it was so real to me that when I awoke, I had tears on my face because he was just so loving and so kind, and he told me that I would be healed, and that he said that I would begin walking the way of a medicine person, and that I would heal others as well. And how old were you
0: when this happened? I was 27 then. Okay. And, um, and he, in between that time, did you have a realization that yes. you might have a gift oh, as yes. well? Um, yeah, okay.
2: I was, I was raised pretty mystically mm. uh, as a child, my mother being an ex-nun, <laughs> being <laughs> in a very strong Catholic family. Um, I had a tremendous devotion to prayer. Mm. And um, in fact, the joke was, I think there's an old Jewish saying, your lips, God's ears. Um, I oftentimes had uh, a lot of people who had asked me to pray for them. Mm. And it seemed that when I prayed, it seemed to make a difference. So, um, I can say that some of the most powerful prayers were done in an ecstatic state, um, and, and I'm going to explain that because it kind of goes back to the shaman. Yeah. Um, you know, we say that, uh, that there, you know, I said the word coincides with being excited or moved or raised. Um, it, also, the word can mean to know in the Tungus language. Well, this... Ec- ecstasy I would say or this outside of oneself is absolutely essential to reaching those higher realms or those unseen realms to um, get information or to be in communion with yes and um, that is you know I'd say the key factor in being a shaman is being able to go to those other worlds to mm-hmm. be connected to not feel disconnected. Yes. I've never felt separate. From the divine. I've never felt separate from those beings of light. I've never felt separate from the invisible world. I can't remember a time in my life, my childhood, at any time, that I wasn't aware that there was something going on, even when I was walking out in nature. Mm. It was potent to me, it was alive. Um, mm. I didn't necessarily see it with my physical eyes, but in shamanism, we know that it's actually what you close your eyes, you can see best when you're not being um, distracted by this world so going into the ecstatic state or the trance-like state is very empowering and moving, and it takes you up to a higher level to be totally receptive. And the word ecstasy comes from the Greek ecstasis, which means to be outside of oneself, Mm -hmm. okay? So, um, Mircea Iliotti wrote, you know, several books on shamanism and was quoted as saying that it's a technique of ecstasy, if Mm. you will, which is oftentimes why shamans were misunderstood in the past because they thought they were a little loony because they seemed to be pretty, you know, out there. But that would be like sort of scrubbing saints and misbehaving. Sticks and yogis and other incredible beings as being sort of not to be taken seriously just because they seemed in an another state of reality. Yes. And the beauty in this reality is, is that as a shaman, you have the capability and the skill, I want to say the high skill, of knowing which reality you're in. Yes. You can keep one foot in one world and one foot in in the other, and you know the difference between the two, whereas originally when uh, they were studied by psychologists after anthropologists kind of got finished, they were thought to be schizophrenic mm. um, because they could hear voices, they were they're getting spirit messages, etc. But on further you know, studies, they discovered that they were actually very, very sane, very well-balanced mm-hmm. people as opposed to somebody with a mental illness yes. who's like a boat on the water without a rudder. Okay, yes. They don't know the difference. They yes. get confused between these mm-hmm. worlds and realities, mm-hmm. which is why I feel like in teaching it, you have to be very careful about uh, people who come in who may already have those tendencies because that tendency is actually to stay out of reality as opposed to be integrated and knowing the difference between the two. And the ultimate, I think, uh, focus of shamanic healing for anybody is actually integrative, yeah. okay? It's integrating spirit, mind, and body. Yes, And so it's not about dissociating. Yes. It is not about separating out. It's not about, you know, fragmenting oneself at all, okay? Mm-hmm. And uh, as having been a teacher of it for many years, I certainly encountered people who had tried, wanted to do it. Um, but unfortunately, after, you know, seeing them perform in class, I'd have to pull them aside and then say, I'm sorry, you're excused, mm-hmm. and, and what's your diagnosis? Aww. And are you on a you know, prescribed medication? And, of course, in every instance they were, and I say, I'm sorry, you can't be here. Yeah. This is for the purpose of being integrated and yes. whole as an individual.
0: Yes.
2: And that is the gift of the shaman. And so when we use these altered states of consciousness to get information, uh, we use what is called the cosmology of the shaman, And that cosmology uh, refers to three different worlds. Mm. One is the lower world, one is the middle world, and one is the upper world. Now, the lower world is considered the world of the ancestors. Okay. And uh, we, when we say the lower world, it doesn't mean something negative. Oftentimes, mm-hmm. I've had people in class immediately go, Oh, that's going down means something bad. Yeah. We're going to hell. No, 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 no. What it means is you're going to the level, actually, of, of the archetypes mm. and um, the symbols, you know, old ones, old beings, myths. Mm-hmm. Um, the world of the animals, mm-hmm. things that are closer to spirit and nature, okay, and earth things. And so when we go to look for basic information about a person's health or uh, illness or a problem, um, we go seeking in that world, and we go until we find somebody who can help us. The good news about shamanic practices is if somebody can't, one person can't help you or one being can't help you, say, well, then take me who, to somebody who can. Yeah. You don't have to take no for an answer. Mm-hmm. And you can t- find out who, what, where. How, why, but don't bother asking about when answers. Those don't Mm -hmm. come very well. But we can get all that information, and oftentimes you'll be taken to an old one, an an ancestor, an ancient one. You can be taken to an animal. Mm -hmm. Um, But that world is primarily for very mundane, earthy issues, Mm -hmm. whereas the middle world it looks very much like this world here and is used for the practice of what we call tracking. Uh, when I have done uh, missing persons help, you know, years and years ago where where I lived uh, with the sheriff's department, I would do tracking. Mm-hmm. And what that allows you to do is basically track in the this world and find on this level. It's very, very, um, but it's a hard thing to do. It, it takes a, a lot of practice. And it's not one of the easier techniques to teach or to learn.
0: How are you guided in the middle world <clears throat> when you work there? Well, this
2: is what I found myself doing when I have been sent out to do it. What I do is I try and see myself connected with the individual that we're seeking. Mm. And then I start walking in my mind the path that they took. Okay. Okay. It's like I'm following their tracks. Yes. Yes. And uh, when I do, uh, I eventually come to where they're at. I don't do this work anymore. I gave it up quite a few years ago because it was never very happy work. Um, but yeah, you can find them. You can find people. You can find, you, you, well, you can mm-hmm. find missing objects in your house if you like. <laughs> you know, those missing set of gloves. You know, you can do the tracking like that. Mm-hmm. But you basically are, are looking through and, yes, and tracking in I that see. middle realm. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's it's not commonly used because it is, a, I'm going to say it's a high skill. It's not an easy one to develop, and it's not an easy one to teach either. Mm. Um, and then there's the upper world, yep. which has to do with the area of the divine. I mean, those are high-level beings. Mm. I mean, you can encounter um, religious figures there. Mm. You can encounter Jesus. You can encounter uh, Mary. You can encounter saints that have passed over. You can encounter angels you can encounter uh, shining beings that you don't even know where they come from, and these beings are all for the purpose of your spiritual life. They answer the questions about your path, your soul, mm. things of that higher level that have nothing to do with um, this. Why am I here? Not I,
0: necessarily why am I ill or no, what's this challenge? Why, why, it's why the, the bigger here? questions. Yeah, the big the mm. big picture.
2: What, what's this real this trip really all about? Mm-hmm. What has brought me to the earth at this time? Mm-hmm. You know. You know, where do I need to be focusing my attention? Yeah. And uh, they can be very profound visions. You can also encounter those who have crossed over from this world. I mean, one of my most profound experiences is when I took an upper world journey and was able to meet my father who had died suddenly when I was 16. It was extraordinarily profound, and it got me finally healing from some old grief that I hadn't been able to process. But it was very real. It was very real to the point that I could just feel his arms coming around me. Wow. And it was a, f- a fabulous reunion, and uh, but a powerful healing for my heart
0: mm-hmm. and for
2: my soul. Yes, and absolutely important. But that's the place where we get information, where we can give actually mediumistic uh, information, mm-hmm. and which leads to the next point: that is a medium a shaman. No, but a shaman okay. can be mediumistic. Mm-hmm. Is a psychic a shaman? No, but a shaman can be very is very psychic. So there are some things that. Separate things out. It's it can do many many things. It is not totally specified. It has a whole complete goodie bag full. Mm-hmm. I, I just you know use a, a term, and it can use all of those different things and go in and out of those different places successfully.
0: So when you're working with someone, do you choose which world you want to work in, or no. does that? Yeah. No. When we were talking, you know, I talked
2: about earlier when those spirits come in to do your original healing. Mm-hmm. When the ones that came in to see me, they become. Yes. My guides and helpers. When I say they're my guides and helpers, when I go in to do work on somebody's behalf, I go to them. Mm -hmm. Because what I know is that they're going to work on the behalf of that individual. That allows me to leave my ego or my ideas out there. I might have a basic game plan of what we're going to do. Mm -hmm. But push comes down to shove. It's how they say it goes. And when I follow them, there's always success. Mm -hmm. But not as I say, but as they say. So God's will be done as it were. You know, Mm -hmm. spirits will. They know. They know what's best. Yes. And I trust them.
0: Okay. Okay. All right. So you have a good communication with your particular spirits and power animals, and they will guide you as needed through the worlds. Yes. So that you can help the person that you're working with.
2: Exactly. And even if you start at the lower world, you could end up in the upper world. You could be taking information from all the different places all at the same time simultaneously. You're rather unlimited. Okay.
0: Well, that's very interesting. So uh, we're talking about shamanic healing with shamanic healer Renee Reed. And she's just explaining to us how the shaman works in the different types of worlds. Again, this is Sandra Malhotra with Generation Regeneration. And we'll be back after this short break.
3: Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
1: GMOs, or genetically modified organisms, are plants or animals that have been genetically engineered with DNA from bacteria, viruses, or other plants and animals. These experimental combinations of genes from different species cannot occur in nature or in traditional crossbreeding. Most developed nations do not consider GMOs to be safe. Right now, over 80% of the corn and soy grown in the U.S. is genetically modified. And we should be able to choose whether we wish to consume these foods or not. Visit non-gmoproject.org forward slash learn more. A new health and wellness community is coming in January 2015 called wholetreatment.com. As a practitioner, you can increase your visibility by creating a detailed profile, posting blogs, advertising online and live events, and accepting online appointments. As a client, you can learn about holistic healing modalities, research practitioners to find the best one for you, and conveniently book online appointments, all for free. We aspire to change the way healthcare is practiced, and together we can do it. Visit whole-treatment.com to find out more.
3: Helping you make informed decisions for your life. This is Voice America Health and Wellness.
1: This is Generation Regeneration with Sandra Guy Melhothra. To connect with Sandra, send an email to Sandra Melhothra at Wcubedcommunity.com or tweet at Sandra G. hashtag we are She looks forward to your comments. Now, back to Generation Regeneration.
0: Welcome back. This is Sandra Malhotra, your host for Generation Regeneration. And I am here with Renee Reed, a shamanic healer and medicine woman. And she's been giving us a wonderful tutorial about how shamans realize that they have a gift, how compelled they feel to work with that gift, and the way they work with power animals and and spirits that they become close to in the different types of worlds that vary from the lower to the middle to the upper and the different types of entities that are present in each of those worlds that can help the shaman help whoever they're working with at the time. So now uh, what Renee would like to do at this point is give some examples of work that she's done in the various worlds and how she's been able to help people because the real goal of the shaman, as she said, is to integrate and to help people heal from various issues, whether it be physical issues or more complicated spiritual issues. So Renee, please tell us about some of the the instances that you've been able to help others.
2: Well one of the first things i thought of is is when you were saying you know when i became aware that i was doing it, i really didn't have a name for what i did mm-hmm. i think the very first time that i actually took a journey as we we call it yeah. when we when we say you know, how do we go about doing this? We were talking about ecstasy, but we actually take a journey.
0: Yeah, maybe explain and, that. Yeah, yeah, what a shamanic uh, journey is.
2: Yeah, and, and the journey means that it, we travel to the sound of a drum, mm. okay, the sonic drive of a drum or a rattle. Um, mm-hmm. That percussion seems to be a driving point that allows us to get more easily into an altered state of consciousness. After mm-hmm. you've done it for quite a few years, pretty soon you don't need those things. Mm. But believe me, when you can use them, it is it very potent and powerful. But before I even was able to, to use that, um, the journey is like it's a movement from this world to the next. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to go to a lower world journey, we usually the, – the time-honored tradition is going through an opening in, in, in the ground that you visualize and you move through uh, or like going through a tree trunk or, or I've even imagined, uh, I don't know if you've ever been on Pirates of, of the Caribbean in, in Disneyland, <laughs> but I used to imagine myself going down that water slide, going down to the lower world, and then coming out into what appeared to be a forest for me. Mm. Now, for somebody else, they would see something entirely different. Um, the area can change as needed, so it never looks quite the same. So when, when we say we're moving to the middle world or we go to the lower world, we go to the upper world, we're literally taking a journey. We go, and when we journey up, how you normally taught is you, you can go up on a wisp of smoke, like from a campfire. Um, you can go um on a magic carpet, I guess if you want. I had one guy who used who used a, a jet in his mind to go up. Oh, and I thought, well, that's certainly twenty first century shamanic practice. <laughs> uh, but he got there. And um but uh, the point is is that um this is the way you can go. The other thing is is that one of the first things we do and we're teaching shamanism is we teach a person how to do a power animal retrieval. Mm. And the power animal is an important and intrinsic part of the first connections that we make in an ally as we call it someone who's going to be a helper Mm -hmm. and uh, oftentimes people already have a connection with an animal even as i did early on in life and don't even realize that it was significant until maybe they take a shamanic class but so we'll do that power animal retrieval by journeying to the lower world and waiting for an animal to present itself and you can ask it you know are you my power Mm -hmm. animal which kind of gives me the opportunity to um talk about really one really cute story but it's a really good one uh my son uh when he was very young he had woken up and had a bad case of you know uh bowel problems okay <laughs> we'll put it that way and uh I he just didn't feel good and I was I had to uh, I had to leave for the day and I didn't want to, you know do that. So I said, "You know what? Why don't we uh, why don't you take a journey and I'll take a journey and let's see what you need and I'll go get it and, and let's do this." And somebody said, "Well, why didn't she just get, you know, whatever, the or whatever. And it was like, it felt like it was more emotional to me, Mm. which is the realm of the shaman too. It's like, really, what's kind of spiritually, you know, doing this? So anyway, I started to do what is called piggybacking. In other words, I can journey at the same time somebody else is and see what they're seeing, okay? Mm. Well, I was in another room doing this, but my son and I, because we were very psychically attuned, became aware of it and yelled, I don't need your help, back (laughs) off. And it was like, (laughs) okie-dokie, because he could just feel me coming in And uh, I was just going to go on my own journey. But what I ended up doing was I started to track him. And he caught that right away. And I said, okay, fine. So long story short, he comes back from his journey. And this is what he says to me. Well, he says, I went down. And he said, I just asked for, you know, who my power animal was. Well, he said, the first thing that came along was this monkey. And he says, I thought to myself, God, I hope I don't have a monkey for a power animal. (laughs) Well, the monkey turns to him and says, don't worry, I'm not, and throws a banana at him. <laughs> and uh, so then Mike keeps walking on, and he ends up um, finding, uh, he, he goes up, he sees this tree, and he ends up in a tree house where this uh, tribesman is, and he's got a very full curly hair and a beard, and he's sort of crouched, and he's stirring a, a, in a cauldron or a pot. And what he's observing is like these these funny uh, curly wormy like things that are flowing out of the pot and he looks at the pot because the the uh, tribesman shows it points at it like look at this and and mike did and and, he, and then he said drink green tea so okay so anyway long story short mike comes back and he tells me all the stories so when we go on a journey we pay attention to everything that's going mm-hmm. on okay everything so um, the first thing I would say was, is that things had gotten too serious for my son because ergo the monkey who's got a sense of humor. The sec- second thing is bananas do bind. And changing the tannic acid in your, in your stomach and your gut was a good idea with the green tea. And then he had told Mike, oh, that was it. I forgot this. That, you know, have your mother read your tea leaves, which I really wasn't a tea leaf reader. So, but he was told to keep the um, leaves of the tea anyway, as if I knew what I was going to be doing. So long story short, I got the green tea for him, the bananas, and of course he stayed home that day. And by the time I got home, he was full of all of those things and feeling just fine. And he would saved all the tea leaves, and um, I just, I, I just told him. I said, "Well, the only way thing I know, you have to swirl it like this and turn it upside down. You know, swirl it anyway." So he did. Well. I guess the tribesman knew what he was talking about because I knew I couldn't read a tea leaf to save my life. I have a lot of gifts and talents. That's not (laughs) one of them. And long story short, we 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 looked at the teacup after it was lifted off and everything else. And the way that the tea leaves had formed themselves, here was this tribesman in the bottom with the swirling stuff coming out of a cauldron. It was like somebody had sculpted it. We both looked at it and I said, do we need to take a picture of this? And so to me, that was like a confirmation from spirit: like, yes. you guys got it right. This is what you're supposed to do. Yes. One of the things I've taught is is that you have to honor what you're told to do, mm. because as a shaman in the ancient cultures, we know that if you don't do what they tell you to do, then like it's not when you go back and ask for help a second time, mm. they're going to figure, hey, you don't respect this, so why should we trouble with you? Yes. So that was one of the that was that was a very significantly wonderful time. But the first time I did it unwittingly was, um, I had a fiance who I didn't, didn't end up marrying, but this is in college. And he was being, actually having these nightmares after his father had died. Mm. And the father had been very jealous of his son. And he had been doing some very hateful, I'd say poltergeist things to this this young man. And uh, some of them were something like right out of, you know, um, Nightmare on Elm Street. Anyway, long story short, I was up visiting for the weekend. And this was way back, I think it was about 19 or 20. And we were sleeping in this living room. And for some reason, the room got very cold and I woke up and I watched the swinging door open up from the kitchen. And then I felt this, this presence come in the room. And then I noticed he became very cold and clammy and started to shake and mumble Mm. in his sleep. And what I did quite naturally without even realizing it is that I just voluntarily went into his dream and I saw that his father was there and was threatening him and he was just absolutely terrified. And so what I did was I asked for my angels to come in. Yes. And to get rid of this spirit because yes. he wasn't helping him. Right. And um, I just saw this movement of energy where it's like they cut it off and yes. he was gone. And then something said to me, you need to take him to a place of peace. So I took my fiancee in, in this journey. To, he loved uh, Desert Lace and Wilderness in Lake Tahoe, which is a beautiful area. Mm-hmm. So I just put him up on a mountain, on a mountaintop, and this, and I saw the skies being blue with beautiful clouds scudding by, and that the warm breeze, and it was peaceful, and he could sleep there. And in the morning, I woke up, and he was, we were facing each other, interestingly enough, and he faced me, and he was looking at me, and he, and he was just staring. And I said, What? And he goes, How did you do that? And I said, Do what? Because by that time, i had totally forgotten. He said, how I got to Desolation Wilderness last night. And he says, I know that you took me because I was having a horrible nightmare.
0: Mm-hmm. And prior to this, and you were younger at that point, you said you were 19, 20 years old. Mm-hmm. So you hadn't received any formal training. No, absolutely okay. nothing. Yeah. It was just, there it was. Okay. You there just, it was. You I just had a sense yeah. of what to do mm-hmm. and when to do it.
2: And okay. I didn't have any formal training until I was 36, actually. Wow. Yeah. But I was having unusual experiences all the way through up until that time. Yes. And that I would not have known were characterized as, as being shamanic. And it's like the spirits were teaching me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was, it, you know, I've had a pretty interesting time of it, needless to say.
0: Mm-hmm. So Okay. So you started telling us before uh, about this experience that you had when you were 27. Right. So that was <clears throat> after, you know, you would help your fiancé at 20 mm-hmm. doing something pretty powerful. Mm -hmm. And so did that experience when you're 27 make you even more powerful because you were introduced to an amazing entity at that point? Well, I wouldn't
2: say that I am powerful. Um, I would say more like I am empowered by uh, the spirits to be helpful. Uh I would not claim this as my own um, because I know it is through spirit and spiritual guidance that Mm. all is made manifest and it's because of m- my ability to actually allow them to do what they need to do that what it happens is successful. So I wouldn't call myself powerful I the least see. bit. I would see. I, I'd say that at the moment I'm empowered by them to do something, and I'm like a spirit that that I mean, a dog that spirit rides. Yes, I'm used. I'm I'm in true service to them. Okay,
0: but you made a different connection. I made a different like, connection yeah, with this one. That one. Yes, this yeah. one was very very
2: uh, yes. Because he came to guide me and teach me and he and everything that he told me in the dream came about within about a year. It, he because of that it was about a year later that I met the medicine man. Okay.
0: Okay. And on that point, uh this is Generation Regeneration with Sandra Mahotra. I'm here with shamanic healer Renee Reed, and we will return in just a few moments.
3: Your life, your health your network you're listening to voice america health and wellness
1: a new health and wellness community is coming in january 2015 called holdtreatment.com as a practitioner you can increase your visibility by creating a detailed profile posting blogs advertising online and live events and accepting online appointments as a client, you can learn about holistic healing modalities, research practitioners to find the best one for you, and conveniently book online appointments, all for free. We aspire to change the way healthcare is practiced, and together, we can do it. Visit whole-treatment.com to find out more. GMOs, or genetically modified organisms, are plants or animals that have been genetically engineered with DNA from bacteria viruses, or other plants and animals. These experimental combinations of genes from different species cannot occur in nature or in traditional crossbreeding. Most developed nations do not consider GMOs to be safe. Right now, over 80% of the corn and soy grown in the U.S. is genetically modified, and we should be able to choose whether we wish to consume these foods or not. Visit non-gmoproject.org forward slash learn more. For 27 years, Kidstar has empowered thousands of kids across the country. And now,
3: we have the opportunity to empower children around the world.
1: Kidstar is announcing a new radio show called Voyage Earth. Voyage Earth will empower
3: kids from across the world. Kidstar has created a Kickstarter campaign just for this new undertaking. By pledging to Kickstarter, you pledge for a future of empowered people to come. My name is Lindsay Marie from Bookworms. I want to thank you for being a backer of our Kickstarter. Kidstar, we empower kids.
1: This is Generation Regeneration with Sandra Guy Melhothra. To connect with Sandra, send an email to Sandra Melhothra at wcubedcommunity.com or tweet at Sandra G. Melhothra, hashtag WeAreGenR. She looks forward to your comments. Now, back to Generation Regeneration.
0: Welcome back. This is Sandra Valhotra. I'm here with Renee Reed, a shamanic healer, and we've covered quite a bit of ground today in terms of introducing how shamans realize they have their gift, the type of spiritual worlds they work in, the type of entities that they work with. And prior to the break, we left off talking about a powerful connection that Renee made with an entity when she was about 27 years old. So maybe take us from that point. Okay.
2: um, Like I said, uh, I had mentioned earlier in the program that um, I had started to get bronchial pneumonia, I guess. And basically the first time when I almost died, I was sent protection. But it it gave me the vitality to to make it through. However, this time I knew that I was going to have to go to the doctor and I was going to have to get some help. And I was not looking forward to it because uh, I had become, my body's become very sensitive to antibiotics. Mm -hmm. So, and depending on the pneumonia you've got, that could be a moot point anyway. So um, anyway, I I was facing that down and I was having a very powerful dream vision. And in a dream vision, you are visited. You have a profound experience that is very, very real. It's it's not fraught with symbols. It's fraught with messages. Mm -hmm. Something awesome is, is occurring. And what occurred was I found myself facing this beautiful Native American Indian. He was wearing a full eagle feather headdress, white buckskin. I mean, it was just beautiful. And this light was radiating out from around him. He had the most kind brown eyes. And there was such love emanating from them. Mm. And in the dream, I I noticed all of a sudden that I was dressed like I I looked like an Indian and a woman. And I was a young girl, actually. And I was dressed all in white as well. And he addressed me by an Indian name, which I don't care to share right now. But anyway, as if he knew me. And in in the dream, I addressed him as grandfather. And my whole feeling was as I felt related to him somehow or rather. Um, it was explained to me. About a year later, that more than likely was not my grandfather, but it was a term of respect. Mm. But it, because I felt so much love coming from him, you would feel that from a, an ancient relative. You know yes. what I'm saying? And in it, I had um, I noticed I had a little basket under my arm, and there were herbs in it. And um, I was I was kind of interested, and he started to talk to me, and he said, "You know, you're going to travel the red road." And at that time, I did not know what, know mm. what that meant. Um, and I would soon come to find out and I'll elaborate on that a little bit later. But, um, anyway, and he said that I was meant to be a medicine woman and I had been a medicine woman before in a past life, which is a whole other subject. And that, uh, it was very interesting. And he said, you will learn the practice of herbs. You will learn how to heal others in in many, many different ways. And he said, you will eventually meet a teacher that we are sending to you. And then he said, and I'm going to tell you how to heal this problem you have. And if you'll do what I tell you to do, you'll be healed within three days. And I was, he told me to, he gave me this combination of herbs to, to put together. Yes. And I believe it was more the spiritual. Exercise of being humble and trusting spirit in God mm-hmm. that had sent me this vision, uh, and following those directions that was probably even more important than than taking the herbs. Mm-hmm. I'm, I have to tell you, it was that confidence that I would be well, and that by following these directions and this incredible, um, loving being who cared enough to come see me to help me, that I think was over fifty percent of what that healing was. But of course, I did follow the directions, and as it as it turned out, three days later, I was healed. Mm-hmm. And um, it would be six months later. I was, had a very unusual experience. I was over at the coast in California sitting in a bookstore. And uh, it, it was a bookstore that, that had a lot of metaphysical books in it, but nobody knew me and I didn't know anybody else. And I was sitting in a beanbag chair because in this very comfortable place looking at one of those nice coffee table books. You know, they, they had unicorns in it, as I recall. <laughs> anyway, I became aware of somebody who had come in the room. They, I just felt their presence and I put the book down and I see this dark-skinned fellow uh, sitting cross-legged in front of me about six feet away. And he's just sitting there looking at me very calmly. And I proceeded to just ignore him because I was by myself and my husband was somewhere else and it was like, I'm not going to engage this. Well, I felt his, him, his energy pushing at me. So I just put my book down. I said, can I help you? And, and just that term, and it's, you know, with that go-away thing. And he said, no, dear lady, but I can help you. Oh. And I said, I don't understand. He says, well, I understand that um, you you do card readings. And I looked at him and I said, how do you know that I do that? And he said, it doesn't matter how I know, but that I know. He says, but I, I can help you. And I said, what do you mean you can help me? And he says, I can help you. And he said, but I'd like you to do a reading for me. And I said, well, my cards are where I'm staying. And he says, well, I could follow you. And I, I thought, no, you can't. And he says, look, I'll just stay outside. And I thought, and, and he says, why don't you ask your spirit guides? And I thought, well, that's a brilliant notion. So I did, and I got a, a feeling of peace. It was like, mm. no, this this person's safe. So long story short, we get to where I'm at. I bring the cards out, lay them out. And then he just puts his hand on the uh, in the middle of them. and he says, I'm not really here for that. I'm here for you to tell me about the dream vision you had about six or seven months ago that you got a healing in that you don't really understand. Mm -hmm. That's when you're having a Carlos Castaneda's moment and wondering if you're smoking something. And I (laughs) did, I was just, I thought, I said, who are you? And he said, it doesn't matter. He said, but I need to explain to you that who you saw was a very powerful master being and that for him to come to you was extremely rare. He said, the being you saw doesn't just show up.
1: Mm -hmm. So you
2: were called to a path and he says, I want you to, to describe to me what you were told so I did and he says you need to understand the red road and he said that's the path of Native American spirituality and he said and I said how do you know this he says because I'm a Choctaw medicine man okay so that just and I said but are there such things as medicine women and he laughed and he said he said honey If it weren't for medicine women, there'd be no medicine men, which is pretty (laughs) interesting. So, but anyway, he said, and he said, he's it's true. He says it'll be another four months, but you will indeed meet your teacher, and he will take you to the next step. But he says, I'll be, I'm here to help you for a while, and then you're going to be moved to the next uh, teacher that is meant for you. And uh, he profoundly um, shook up my world. Yes, because I found when I went back home, I could hear him talking in my head, which was really mm. kind of uh, freakish, and I was a little concerned about that. Mm-hmm. And uh, but he would he would give me thoughts and guide, guides, and I found that we could actually telepathically talk. Wow! And this went on for I don't know about a month until I found it kind of. It was a little too invasive for me. And I finally had to tell him, I said, I need for you to kind of stop that because it's just a little bit more than I can deal with. <laughs> and his feelings were a bit hurt, but he did say he understood. But he yeah. said that another one was coming that would, he would, I would be more comfortable with. Yes. And so that's when I started learning about Native American spirituality, mm. which, by the way, is different than shamanic practice, mm. okay? Because in that, that practices, we talk about a medicine animal or a medicine, you know, your medicine that you work with, and uh, you stick with one. For your entire, usually your life, and so it. He taught me a lot of things about that, which merged with what I was already experiencing. But he took me a lot deeper into my abilities and talents in a way that I really needed to be taken. I didn't really even realize what I could do at that time. Yes. Or the information I could access, or you know how unlimited the gift was. I didn't. Ha- I hadn't even come to appreciate what I had. What God had given me.
0: Yes. I mean
2: to put it simply. Yes. And uh, it was a very humbling experience, trust me, <laughs> along with a few good mistakes. You, get, you know, you've got to have some of those to, to learn by as well. It's, it's not all smooth sailing by any means. So
0: very interesting. And we are coming to the end of our show. And I think Renee would agree we've just scratched the surface.
2: Absolutely.
0: (laughs) Not even gone knee deep. Yeah. uh, We've just really gone over um, the different worlds that shamans work in and how someone may realize that they have the gift. And some of the work that Renee did in her earlier years uh, as a younger person. So I think that this begs for another show (laughs) to really get into a lot more of the details of... um, how shamans can help people with different types of challenges. There are many things that shamans can do, which we really didn't even get into. You gave a couple of examples, but, but didn't get into the breadth of, it's true. of what shamans it's, can it's do. It's a
2: huge subject. It, it's, it's so huge. Sh- and, I, and I feel like I had to really move quickly with a lot of it and not really go as in-depth as we wanted to.
0: Exactly. So what we're going to do now is we're going to wrap up. And I would like to thank Renee so much for a very informative show. And she will be back In December, we're going to continue this conversation. So I would like to thank everyone for listening today to Generation Regeneration. Let's continue this conversation on Twitter. I'd love to hear from you. At Sandra G. Malhotra, hashtag WeAreGenR. Namaste.
1: Thank you for tuning in to Generation Regeneration with Sandra Guy Malhotra. Please join us again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. In the coming week, think of the changes that you could make to regenerate your body, mind, and spirit. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel.